there's nothing like that service in the industry today that can dive that deep with the farmer's information and data to help them be more profitable. Every day, we rely on food, fuel, and fiber. But how much do you know about these industries we depend on? In this podcast, we dive deep into the production and processes of these everyday essentials. This is Field Points, an original podcast production from Siri Solutions. You're listening to the Field Points Podcast. I'm your host, Morgan Seiger. Today, we are wrapping up our series on Cooperative Month, and I am joined by Chief Marketing Officer Drew Gerritsen. Drew is a familiar voice on our podcast as he usually co-hosts all of our trailers with me, but today he's going to be talking about what's new with your co-op, from enhancements to the digital agronomy program to the partnership with Purdue and the due diligence announcement that came out in August about a process that we are working through with Co-Alliance. There's a lot going on. So Drew is going to break down what those things look like for us as we go throughout today's conversation. As we work through these topics, I'm joined by Dwayne Parker. Dwayne comes from Member Relations Egg with Landa Lakes, and he adds a lot of great value and depth to the questions we ask Drew. Before we dive into today's episode, I wanted to tell you about a special giveaway we're doing during Co-op Month. We are so grateful that you tune in to the Field Points podcast. And to show our appreciation, we have put together several harvest giveaways. These include some harvest essentials and some series solutions and Field Points swag. All you have to do is leave a review and let us know that you did so we can get you entered to win. Now, let's get into today's episode. Uh, my name is Drew Garrison. I'm the Chief Marketing Officer at Series Solutions. I'm in charge of marketing and communications across the enterprise for all of our businesses, but also lead our long-term digital strategy, our ag technology, um, and kind of falls under that, along with our sustainability and stewardship strategy as well. With it being National Cooperative Month, I asked Drew to share his background with the cooperative system. I kind of grew up in the cooperative system, and as my uh, father had a 40-year career kind of leading agronomy location for a co-op that merged over a period of time in, in central Indiana, and so I kind of I got to see how he interacted with his customers and how the co-op served the members of the community. And it's something that just was just ingrained in my DNA, you might say. And so as I looked at opportunities, Dwayne Parker actually hired me as an intern in about 2001 or something probably. And so excited to have uh, Dwayne on the podcast, but spent you know three or four summers there when I was in college you know, interning for Land Lakes at the time. And you know so built a, a better understanding of kind of all the behind the scenes of how these things work. And, had the opportunity to come to series at one point and uh, kind of work in the agronomy business, working with customers and really enjoyed working for the farmer, essentially. That led to 10 years at Land Lakes where we spent basically that entire time thinking about how we get digital adoption to happen in at the retail level how we help farmers be more profitable, how they use their information and data to be more profitable. And then that transitioned over time to how we help the retailers adopt digital as a lever to pull for the future. Like how do we actually set up a, an experience that enables the customers to be to make it easier to do business with you, to see it as a more digitally enabled experience. So to me, I've said this a few times, but you know, working for the co there's no one better to report to, in my opinion, than the American farmer at the, at the end of the day. I think that 
Um, the other options would be right work for working for a publicly traded company that's trying to meet a qu quarterly earnings statements for the investors that may or may not be in, invested into the company in a, in a meaningful way. Or you know, obviously, private ownership would be another option where you're you know really working hard every day for the person who owns that company and. I think the cooperative model just fits me. Like I align with those values. I think that you know the American farmer ultimately is the salt of the earth person that I feel like I can align align with from a values perspective, and um, could not be more excited to have the opportunity to work at Series in a 100% farmer-owned cooperative. And we're sitting here in Co-op Month. We get a lot of support not only from our membership, we also get a lot of support and help from our regional partners too, and whether it be Land Lakes or Country Mark or CHS, these regional co-ops, they're a big part of the way that we go to market, the way that we partner, and uh, certainly appreciate a lot of the support that they give to our co-op. Those people who are listening, who are you know members or interested in what's going on at Series, what is going on? We've seen a lot of stuff with Purdue. Why don't we start there? Yeah, that was actually one of the most exciting things that we've done here in the last uh, 12 to 18 months is we launched a partnership with Purdue Athletics, actually, which seemed like a fitting thing to do. We actually spent some time at our board retreat thinking about how we start to elevate the Series Solutions brand from the member's perspective. And we actually asked a lot of questions to our board at the time around different ways they could do that. And this was actually one that popped up on more than one occasion when we had the, when we started asking those questions to our to our board and getting their feedback was that it seemed like a, a really obvious fit. One, one, it's like in the heart of our business, right? I mean, it's kind of like, like where Purdue is located is right in the center of our business. We have a lot of employees that are affiliated or graduates or alumni of Purdue University in some capacity. And then obviously we have a lot of customers that would have either some strong affiliation, whether their kids went to Purdue or they went to Purdue. And so it seemed like a real fitting partnership. And so we, we struck out to uh, ask them a lot of questions of Purdue about what it would take. And so we signed a three-year partnership with Purdue. And basically what that means is that we uh, get time to have our brand on the jumbo screen, on the video boards, printed on poles in the stadium at, at Purdue football in Ross Aid. Then also we are have presence on the radio and then uh, digital as well. So there's some social media things that happen. I think we have the most cooperative play of the game or something fun like that. And then we'll have a, a similar type of alignment um, for men's basketball. Those are the two that we've decided to partner with. We think that makes a lot of sense. Like in, in the fall, you know, there's a lot of people in combines or in trucks and they're listening to the game. They get to hear Morgan's voice as the person who gets the, that is the voice of Serious Solutions on the on their radio. So that's super, that's super fun. She's trying to be real humble about that, but she got to say boiler up. She's excited about being a, a Purdue fan for at least one reason, right? <laughs> All right, Dwayne, a little backstory. I said boiler up like 300 times into my mic and I finally just emailed them and I'm like, are you supposed to say boiler up? or boiler up. Like I cannot figure it out because I want to go down but the word is up and I don't know how to say it. That's <laughs> good to have a backstory. Listen, I mean, let's just be clear. Morgan is an Ohio State grad and a very avid one and yeah. she's an avid fan of Ohio State, but she has grown to love Purdue in this in this capacity at least on behalf of Siri. So thank you for doing that, Morgan. But, you know, to me it seems like a fitting partnership and I think we've had a lot of positive feedback. Um, one of the things that we did in preparation for that I thought was really interesting is that we actually had Purdue Pete come out to one of our locations for a few hours to do a photo shoot, which I thought was like, you know, at first I'm like, well, that'll be fun to do. But it actually, it turned out to be really valuable in a lot of different ways because a lot of our branding 
in stadium or on online can align really closely now, even closer now. It's not just the series brand that seems, you know, adjacent to Purdue. It's actually integrated into the Purdue brand a little bit. So I think that was really neat. The people at that location, they had a really cool experience with that. And it seems to make a more natural fit. We have a lot of people on our advertising. So like in the stadium, there's a Liz Beer. She's one of our sales agronomists up in Templeton, which is kind of close to Purdue. And, uh, you know, she's actually on the jumbo screen. I don't know what size the Purdue Pete and Liz is on the jumbo screen, but they're big. And she's a fairly more recent uh, grad to Purdue. So she's getting a lot of attention because of that. So it's great to have some of the local faces, you know, in the stadium. And it seems like to me a pretty natural fit. Hey, Drew, as you're telling your series solution story via the Purdue relationship, what is your desired outcome? Yeah, I think there's two things. That's a good point. And, you know, measuring ROI on these things can be a little bit challenging, but we just, you know, sometimes there's some of this gut feel thing. We just feel like it's the right thing to do. And you can kind of keep saying that, but, you know, what do you hope hope to obtain at the end of this thing? I think the table stake stuff is like more awareness of the Series Solutions brand. The word series and the field points logo, like that means something to us as an internal team. But I think a lot of it has to come back to recruitment and the retention of employees. Last week, actually, Actually, we were at the Purdue College of Ag Career Fair. We had a line to the series booth the entire time during that. And I think part of it has to do with the fact that we have more students engaged on campus compared to the last three years. But I think some of that has to do with just the fact that people are more aware of what we are and who, you know, who we are and what we do. And I think so a lot of it comes down to making sure that your brand is relevant, that you're recruiting top talent, and that people recognize that your brand is a premier brand in agriculture in the state of Indiana. Thank you. I, I would agree. I mean, I think it's, it's done a great job of getting the word out, not only for Series Solutions, but also for agriculture across the state of Indiana. So anything else with Purdue? That team's been really good to work with. I mean, a shout out to the folks at Learfield and, and Purdue. I mean, they've just been top notch. They're always good at bringing ideas to the team and that's been really good and grateful to uh, to all of our team, including you, Morgan, who have been pivotal in getting all of the work done to get that lifted off. David Smith specifically managed a lot of the day-to-day -day stuff with Purdue, so I really appreciate the help that, you know, he brings to that and the consistency that he brings to, you know, being a point person for something that can be, it's pretty, it's a pretty big deal. So we've had a lot of people call and ask a lot of questions and uh, a lot of kudos, a lot of, hat, you know, pats on the back, you know, or, or a lot of the, well, it's about time series did that uh, kind of remarks because it just seems like a natural fit. So we're super excited for the, how that will continue. It has been so fun watching this Purdue partnership come to life. While we are airing this podcast episode during football season, we have a lot of fun, exciting things coming for men's basketball season. So make sure you're looking out for the Series Solutions logo during the Purdue men's basketball games. Now we're going to shift gears and talk about what is new with the digital agronomy team at Series Solutions. We actually did pretty extensive work the last 18 months, kind of stepping back and evaluating our digital agronomy services. So Matt Clark leads that team. I mean, we've got uh, several resources deployed towards the team to help them be successful with the digital agronomy services and kind of explain a little bit more what that is. But that is the value added services that we offer to our customers to make their data more effective 
in their operation. So some of the stuff we've been doing like for 25 or 30 years, which is grid soil sampling and creating value-added recommendations. And you know, Dwayne was around when that stuff was like really starting to really hit. What we saw is like we have continued to be, that's a fundamental thing that we've got to continue to do. It's a table stakes, you might say. We're going to continue to offer that as a part of the service offering, but we're expanding some of the service offerings. And I have a really exciting launch of those new service offerings that happened at our recent uh, agronomy kickoff meeting. So we spent a lot of time asking questions to our field team, asking questions to our customers, looking at the data and trying to determine what's working and what's not working. Yeah, we spent yeah about a little over a year, year and a half you know, really doing a deep dive evaluation of what those services uh, needed to feel like and look like in order to be relevant to the customer of tomorrow. So really, we still have our core agronomics program. That is a two and a half acre grid soil sample where we, you know, go and do the operation of the soil sample and then actually kick it back and actually put it through our system in order to make a value added uh, recommendation to the farmer on fertility, pH, those kind of things, but we've added some additional services. So the one service will be FieldSense. FieldSense is where we're using sensors in the field to drive in-season recommendations. So we've been doing this pretty consistently on irrigated acres. We've got about 120 or 130 fields that have center pivot irrigation, which we use a sensor to tell us when to water and when not to, not to water. And then we combine that with tissue sampling that allow us to understand the nutrition that's happening at the, at the same time. There's some nutritionals that we need to add in to maximize, maximize yield for the farmers. We're looking at expanding that to non-irrigated acres. We're, we're testing several sensors in our IoT innovation hub that would allow us to, you know, take that same model that we've applied in, in irrigated fields and actually apply that to non-irrigated fields. So I'm excited about what that might look like in the future. We're offering full uh, seed prescriptions for, if you're a series seed customer, we will write your uh, variable rate planning prescriptions for free as a part of doing business with series. Um, we also are going to offer that service to any series solutions customer, regardless of the seed brand, but the idea of like helping them manage the inherent variability that lies within that field, you know, utilizing a seed script and then executing that through uh, planner pass. The next would be um, a program that we've called Insights. And Insights is a kind of a rear view look at what happened on the field based off of looking at all the yield data that we've that the farmers collected and then analyzing, you know, the performance of the hybrids by population, by soil type, and all the different layers that we can use to help drive some more um, information about the performance of their that of that particular hybrid or variety on that particular field during that given year so it's basically how can farmers utilize their data more effectively and that'll be a program that we're offering now um, we all offer in a bucket what we're calling the series stewardship which is um, basically a way in which we're identifying customers that have a interest in uh, stewardship opportunities. Uh, we've talked about it before on this podcast, but we partner really close with Trutera from Land O'Lakes uh, to offer stewardship opportunities for our customers, whether that be a carbon program or a, um, some other type of a supply shed program that gets rolled out to the market. We're using, um, this is actually a free service, but what we're doing is we're just using the stewardship service to identify customers and make sure that we're giving them the first opportunity to sign up for programs, get information about um, what's happening in the space. And so that'll be um, something that is a part of the digital agronomy service as well. And lastly, we're rolling out Quantify, which is a 
I'm gonna call it a full robust FMIS platform for the farmer. And it's a lot of data and analytics on their farm that helps them understand the profitability of every acre of their farm. So we actually have our FMIS platform AgWorld connected into Power BI. So there's like a consistent dashboard all the time that allows farmers to see, you know, what's happening at a field level on profitability for their farm. There's nothing like that service in the industry today that can dive that deep with the farmer's information and data to help them be more profitable. So it's a true P&L like for every single field that a farmer would have. So Quantify um, by Siri Solutions will be also rolled out here this fall and excited for um, you know, all six of those platforms to uh, to kind of get started this this year. Drew, I got a whole bunch of questions now. <laughs> so, so first, uh, how difficult is it to stay on pace with your growers from a technology standpoint without being on the bleeding edge of technology? Yeah, that's that's a great question. Sometimes, in some cases, they're leading us, and other times we're pulling them. This is the way that I the way that I look at it. You know, one of the things I notice when that we get a lot of is we get a lot of requests to try new technology and. One of the reasons that we've implemented the IoT Innovation Hub is just to be a funnel and a filter of new tech that's coming to the field. So we can actually test it for scalability and accuracy. We lean into our agronomist team really heavy to help us analyze whether or not those are going to work. And we share that information with our farmers or with our farmer members. And in some cases, they're, like I said, they're bringing us new things that we need to be thinking about and looking at. There was other tech that we, we, we analyzed this year that I was actually really surprised at how well the farmer um, actually took to it. I was a little reluctant to like, well, is that actually going to work? Is that scalable? And they really liked it. So it's going to allow us to maybe take the next step with it. So I think it's all about make sure you're spending adequate time evaluating these things and then getting them to the farmer's hands as fast as you can to see whether or not it's going to work or not. So you mentioned agronomists. How many agronomists do you have on staff? Yeah, we have um, four full-time agronomists that are covering our area. And we would, we would lean into them for all of our training and evaluating new techniques or, you know, obviously crop protection and crop nutrients. But this digital thing is becoming more and more of that. So well, your ag agronomic support, from my opinion, there's nobody else that I work with across the four states I work in that has the amount of agronomic expertise that you all have on yeah. staff today. And then... Uh, as I recall, do you still have a conservation agronomist as yeah. well? Yeah, we do. That works yep. specifically with the sustainability stuff? Right, that's the stewardship thing that's, yeah. that we talked yeah. about. Seno uh, will work directly with those that group of customers, helping them through the different programs. So thinking of all this data and how you use digital, I've always heard of people being sensitive to their data and what's happening with mm -hmm. the data. How, how do you get through that with your growers? Because obviously the data is going to help them make better decisions ultimately. But. Sure. Well, the, we, we always default to the farmer owns the data. That's our, that, you know, at the end of the day, they can choose whether or not they want to be included in, in or out of a, of a data set. Our goal is we have to provide as much value as possible to them to have this level of trust for us to be able to have their information in their data, which we don't take that lightly. All of our data agreements allow the farmer to opt out of any type of accumulated data sets or aggregated data sets, um, but at the end of the day, they, they own the data. I'd say that the um, you know, it's, it's really important for the farmer to, 
have a high level of trust with their whatever partner that they choose on the data side because there's a lot of sensitive information that's being shared and the quantify thing is a really interesting one because that's getting down to the PL level we actually we, in that process we actually came up with two separate offerings one in quantify is like a full-on like we'll do everything for you you had to give us all the information and we'll give we'll do it all for you and you don't have to do data any data entry at all and the other one is where the grower actually has access to the program we'll train them on how to do it they actually enter the information if they're in a situation like well i'm not sure i want to share everything with you we would have an option for the customers like that too so as you earn the right to be their trusted advisor then that allows you to build on your partnership with these growers would that be a fair sure, statement absolutely absolutely okay. You talked about the field sense for non-irrigated acres. Mm -hmm. What does that look like? We're looking at, I don't know, three to four different sensors that we actually evaluated this year in the IoT Innovation Hub. But basically, it would give you like real-time soil-level nutritional feedback, so you can be able to know what's, you know, what the levels of nutrition are in the in the field at any time. And um, then we would use like tissue sampling as another data point as well. It's like, well, what's the plant telling us as a sensor, you might say, uh, to t tell us what to do. So um, that's still being developed on exactly what that will feel like and look like. I don't know that we'll have a dry land offer for 24, but my expectation is for 25, we'll have something that we'll be able to do. Who's a good fit for Quantify? I would say any farmer who is, I would call it, managing a lot of different variabilities in in their field. When I say variabilities, I'm talking about agronomic variabilities. I'm talking about they're managing a lot of different um, land contracts or grain contracts. They are managing a lot of different systems in order to get the result that they want. We can help simplify that into one system. So I tend to think about customers that are very business focus they spend a lot maybe they spend some time in the spreadsheets themselves the customers that have kind of rose their hand and say hey I'm, I'm interested in this kind of thing tend to be a little more dial into the uh, business side of the operation so I think that's a natural first fit I think we'll see over time that it's a really good fit for a lot of customers no, no matter where they are on the scale but the ones that are going to understand it and perceive the most amount of value at the beginning are ones that are kind of they have they look at things through the lens of uh, profitability ROI and the you know the kind of the business side of farming right out the gate. Drew covered a lot of changes, so I asked him where customers can learn more about what these offerings look like. First line of defense is always our local series solutions uh, location branches. Our sales people have access to all of this information. I think we'll we'll see the series solutions brand start to talk more about these digital services. I know we've got a um, campaign planned for this winter that'll be focused on you know our digital connection with our customers. So you'll see something uh, coming out here. Uh, really focus on after we get through harvest. After each episode, we share show notes on the company's website. In those show notes, we'll provide a breakdown of the new digital agronomy offerings. You can find it at series.coop. Now we're going to shift gears. In the last topic that we're going to cover about what's new at Series Solutions, Drew is going to be discussing the due diligence announcement that was shared in August. At the end of August, we announced a due diligence process, and that was a a recommendation that came from the Series Solutions Board of Directors, 
and the uh, co-alliance board of directors. And the goal with due diligence is to really kind of spend some time kind of looking at some of the, uh, at the businesses individually and together and looking for potential synergies inside those two businesses. So we're about halfway through that process now. I'd say that we're on target uh, to hit the timeline, which I believe we said was a three month process. Um, everything seems to be on point as it relates to that. The due diligence process is just what you would think. Like we're just kind of, we're looking at all the things from what risks might potentially be in both organizations and the same for all the other side. Well, what could be the outcomes that would be positive when you start to look at these two organizations. So a lot of work still to go as it relates to that. Certainly, and we said this at the beginning of the process, it'll be thorough. I mean, we're gonna, we will dive deep into a lot of the detail, um, whether it be insurance and risk and financial stuff. And I mean, there's a lot of details that go into the, to the due diligence process. We've got a team that's together. There's about uh, six individuals on the team, three from series and three from co-alliance that are kind of doing the investigational work of the due diligence process so that's been um, really interesting the goal will be here you know after the three months i was at about middle of december to have a report for the board of directors uh, for them to evaluate drew at a very high level what are the businesses that each of you are in that are similar and some that coincide yeah. but are, but are maybe different surely so, certainly both in the agronomy business we've been talking about that some today we're both in in the energy business uh, together both in the feed business coalitions in the grain business we're only in the grain business to help our feed business be uh, successful and then they're also in the swine uh, business and we aren't so you know that's been interesting to kind of see some of the things that you know you don't normally get to see but uh, we have we've owned a JV we've had a JV with co-alliance for three years now in the Endeavor Ag and Energy business in, in Michigan. So that was just a good example of like how the two companies have been working together in a shared partnership in a shared way. And that's gone pretty well. And I think that's part of the reason why the board said, hey, you should probably look at this maybe a little bit deeper because we've successfully operated a business up to this point. So that seems to make a lot of sense. Very good. So with it being cooperative month, how do the members come into play with this process? Like how are we thinking about their business in regards to our business since they're essentially one of the same? Yeah, that's a, there's two things I think about. One is that this process is one initiated by the membership. The board of directors are the ones that initiated this due diligence process in the first place. We only do this in the benefit of the member at the end of the day, actually having more, right? There's more to them, whether they have more access to certain products or access to better infrastructure to help serve the needs of the farmer of the future. So I think that's important. Like one, initiated by the membership. Two, that has to be good for the member, um, regardless of what the outcome of the due diligence is. You know, the third piece is, is that we've seen the membership base shift and mold. Basically, both co-ops have seen a decrease in the number of total farmer members, but an increase in size and scale of those existing members. And we can't see that consult those consolidation at the farm level. We can't see that that's going away anytime soon. And so the things that they're saying around speed and operational efficiencies are going to continue to increase in order to meet the demand of the farmer of tomorrow, we're gonna to have to continue to leverage the local resources in a very meaningful way. Whether that's 24 seven access, whether that's, we almost have all semi trucks now to meet their needs versus like a tender truck. So, I mean, those are things that we don't see going away. And so another reason why the membership, I think has said, hey, my, 
you know, look into this to see if it was, when we start to think about the member in 2030 or the member in 2040, let's make sure that we have a relevant and vibrant farmer-owned cooperative system to meet their needs. And I, yeah, and Drew, and I would, I would say that the membership is continuing to demand growth. Now, whether this is what is the outcome of this particular due diligence, you know what, that's yet to be seen. But to continue to look for good growth opportunities that continue to enhance their membership, I think is key to the success of our cooperative system. Sure. Can you talk just a little bit about the transparency? So we've seen lots of mergers happen and I had never heard of the due diligence period until <laughs> this conversation. So why are you trying to be transparent? Why, why did we even share that we're in a due diligence period? Uh, okay, so I, I think at the end of the day, what it comes down to is transparency. And actually, Dwayne might be able to talk a little bit about this, but our membership today and our employees demand more transparency today than they did 15 or 20 years ago. And so actually, the due diligence process in a lot of uh, mergers that either have happened or not happened would have never been disclosed in the first place. But we made it a point that we thought it was good both for our internal teams, most importantly, our membership, to understand what we were doing. And like I said, that normally wouldn't have been something that would have been disclosed. It would have been, we were going to go through the process as a formality of the process. And then once we got through that, then there was more of a public, uh, public announcement. But, you know, I think people just demand more of that transparency on both sides of things. No, I, I would agree. You have a lot of other outlets on social media and different things that, uh, you know, when you're having this kind of conversation that is impactful to your membership, it's better to let them know kind of what you're thinking. And again, it, they're currently doing a, uh, you know, the due diligence work to try to see what synergies there may be. And uh, again, all of it will be at the behalf of the member and what is good for the member and how it can bring them along for the future. As we wrap up this conversation and as Cooperative Month comes to an end, Drew shares some of his thoughts on the cooperative model. But I think the value of the cooperative system is that we get to invest in our rural communities. We get to give patronage back to our membership base. And all that money flows back into our local communities in a meaningful way. And I think not only is Series Solutions committed to helping the farmer be successful, I think we also look at our regional co-op partners as a key component of that too. We do almost all of our business with three other really large co-ops that, that do the same for us. Like they give us patronage and then we invest that back into local communities. And I think about, you know, rural communities in Indiana and in, and in Michigan, you know, sometimes we're the only employer in these towns. There's 15 to 25 people that work at this location and we may be the only employer in town besides like the gas station on the corner or something. So I think um, that, that means a lot to me. If there was something else to think about as it relates to co-op month, the continued investment in our membership, the equity that we earn from, you know, earning their business is invested back into the system to serve their needs. And then, you know, the patronage that the member gets is invested back into their operation or into their local community. So it's a cool way that the system works and something to be proud of. I think too, the, the fact that you're able to tell not only the cooperative story and, and what it means and how it's evolved over time, as well as the, the story of agriculture and getting that out to not only the people that are involved, because it means a lot to those of us that, that live and breathe it every day, but 
but uh, we need it to mean a lot to to other people that are that are outside our industry and understand what uh, not only the cooperative world but uh, the rest of, of agriculture brings to to our world it's a 100 year old system and things don't just last a hundred years for any reason like they although they may have changed their name or their logo over time the farmer owned co-op has existed in the state of Indiana and Michigan and the Midwest um, for over a hundred years and I'd say that's a pretty good testament that the system works we're certainly experiencing a lot of a lot of growth and things are good right now from as it relates to the uh, the farmer owned cooperative we're in a better as good a spot as we've ever been in terms of um, the ability to serve their needs in a, in a very meaningful way but at the end of the day a 100 year old system is means that it works and so we'll continue our job our legacy here is to make sure that it works for another 100 years thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of field points there is a lot going on at series solutions right now and i'm so grateful that drew and duane took time to walk us through some of those changes don't forget to leave a review so you can be entered in our harvest giveaway and thank you for celebrating cooperative month with us our next series is all about safety and it's a really fun conversation about how we can have a culture of safety at work and on our farms the show notes for this episode will be available at series.coop that's c-e-r-e-s dot c-o-o-p if you enjoyed this deeper dive be sure to subscribe and leave us a review your review and feedback will help other listeners like you find our podcast and we are so thankful for that